All right, and the Emmy goes to... Crack it open. Let's do it. Saturday Night Live! Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. With season 45 just around the corner, I thought it might be fun to take a look back at some of the SNL-related news that dropped over the summer. We'll be discussing Leslie Jones' surprise departure, SNL's latest hirings and firings, and Eddie Murphy's pending return to Studio 8H. I'm John Murray, and I'm joined this week by unceremoniously dismissed almost cast member Steve Finn. And I'm also joined by lovable curmudgeon and vintage SNL connoisseur Andrew Dick. If you'd like to connect with any of us, you can do so at snlpodcast.com. If you're enjoying our show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons get early, ad-free access to each new podcast episode, as well as many other exclusive member rewards. It's your support that makes the cast possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already pitched in. To learn more, go to patreon.com forward slash SNL podcast. All right, enjoy. All right, so let's kick things off with some congratulations to SNL's production designers, lighting team, and makeup team on their Emmy wins. And also to everyone involved with the Creating SNL web series that won for Best Short Form Nonfiction or Reality Series. Have you guys been keeping up on uh, Creating SNL? Sadly, I, I've kind of missed out on the last uh, number of them, but uh, the ones I've seen have been uh, fantastic. Yeah, they're they're well worth uh, revisiting. Go back and and watch them all. Um, for anyone that enjoys the nuts and bolts of the production, and I really am that kind of an SNL fan. I I love going to the show specifically to see how everything unfolds on the floor and all the production aspects of it. Uh, so to be able to get kind of a, a firsthand behind the scenes peek and uh, the insights that they offer through that series is a lot of fun. So I highly recommend it. I understand why it won. It's really riveting and um, uh, I, I think it's well-produced. So congrats to everyone involved in that. Steve, were you able to check it out? I did not. Okay. And I'm kind of embarrassed to say, because like you guys, I definitely love the behind the scenes of SNL, but uh, yeah, I have not had a chance to check it out as of yet. Uh, of most interest to me is actually the uh, just announced for the Peacock streaming mm, right. uh, service coming up is the show Who Wrote That, which I'm going to assume is going to have most of the same staff as the Creating SNL documentaries. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a show about uh, the the sketches and the people that wrote them. And uh, that sounds awesome. I'm super psyched for that. Yeah. Now for creating SNL, they were actually using the production team that does a lot of their pre-tapes. So it was all basically their in-house talent. I don't know if that's the case with the, this NBC show, but thanks for bringing it up. Cause that wasn't in the show notes. And that is definitely something that a lot of fans would want to check out. Cause you're going to get sort of like oral histories for a lot of the, the, the quintessential SNL from all eras, the way I understand it. So mm. there's probably going to be some, some fun insights in that show. I'll definitely be checking it out and, uh, definitely glad you brought it up. Hey. But we got a lot of ground to cover tonight, so why don't we keep rolling on and talk a little bit about our confirmed shows, hosts, and musical guests. To kick off the season on September 28th, we have Woody Harrelson returning with musical guest Billie Eilish. Steve, let's uh, start with you. You got any thoughts on this? I'm a big fan of Woody Harrelson. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's got Zombieland 2 coming out. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, as for Billie Eilish, you know, I've heard that one song that's been going around uh yeah it's it's i don't which one there's multiples <laughs> okay so why don't we defer the billy eilish commentary to andy because it sounds like maybe he has a bit oh. more insight oh no i don't i'm sorry <laughs> okay. i just i i have heard uh i have gone you know slightly down the rabbit hole with billy eilish uh andrew knows there's more than one song to talk about so that's more than well he's now our resident billy eilish expert so break it down <laughs> what can we expect from billy eilish andy I really don't know. I'm actually, I've never seen a live performance from her. So if it's going to be anything like the videos, uh, it's going to be weird and <laughs> twisted. Okay. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And Woody Harrelson, I think this will be the fourth time he's hosting and he hasn't done a bad episode no. yet. Uh, in fact, his last time hosting, uh, I think it's season 40. Just hands down one of my favorite episodes. So <laughs> super psyched for this. Apples. No, except, apples. Yeah, except for apples. 
No. In the usual way. Yeah. Woody Harrelson. He's a lot of fun. He's a, he's a personality. He's a character. So that's half the sketch already written for you. Just putting him up on screen the way that he carries himself and his nonchalant slacker. What? Well, I guess maybe stoner persona. Um, Basically. It's kind of hard to, to peg exactly what Woody Harrelson does, but uh, he has a casual quality about him that is a lot of fun. And you're right, Andy. I've enjoyed every moment that I've seen from him on SNL. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm excited to be pleasantly surprised by Billie Eilish because I got absolutely no insights on what that's going to be. So yeah, sounds like it's going to be a fun and quirky premiere this year. I hope so. Yeah. There's about an 85% chance Billie Eilish is going to have a bloody nose. That seems to be her thing is to be <laughs> yes. bleeding all the time. Okay. That's, that's kind of your thing, Steve. How, how do you feel about that? Well, it's yeah. I mean, I don't know if that ever made it to air, but uh, it is. It absolutely did. I, I left that one in. Okay. And we, we got some of our best ratings of the season on that. People actually really enjoyed that. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So people do know about that. Great. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's kind of stealing my thing then. Okay. So uh, <laughs> let's keep rolling here. On October 5th, Phoebe Waller-Bridge with musical guest Taylor Swift. Andy, any thoughts on this? Uh, uh, keep it short. Taylor Swift, uh, indifferent. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, I know creator and star of Fleabag. People love that show. Haven't seen it. But I hope it's going to be a fun show nonetheless. Okay, Steve, what do you got? Yeah, I, I'm excited to see Taylor Swift as a fan of the show. She'll probably be utilized really well. Mm -hmm. The actual songs that have been coming out from her lately, not really my favorite of hers. Okay. Mm. All right. Uh, yeah, I got really nothing to add. Um, I like Taylor Swift. She's a cutie. I like her music. Um, so that'll be fun. How about David Harbour with Camilla Cabello? Oh, I'm looking forward to this. Okay. Uh, I love David Harbour. Uh, much like Woody Harrelson, he seems like a Woody Harrelson type. Like he seems like a real laid back, uh, just ready to go with the flow for SNL. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, you kind of look like him. Yeah, I was gonna say you you could be a, a pretty effective stand-in for David. Harbour oh, that's high praise for a job. That's high praise. Because <laughs> I am often drunk in my cabin in the woods uh, with my psychic daughter, um, and Camilla Cabello. I I swear I've heard that name before, but I can't. Um, attach any music to so that one will be I, I i have no clue okay we'll see any thoughts steve you know david harbour he's kind of getting a lot of flack for being the new hellboy mm -hmm. a lot of people are ron perlman purists <laughs> sure see i feel like the negative reaction to that film that's one of those times where i look at that and go oh wait maybe this one might be for me right but either way however you feel about hellboy it's clearly showing how david harbour has made a name for himself, uh, most likely through Stranger Things to begin right. with. But this is showing him kind of becoming a big commodity. And yeah, hosting SNL is obviously a big sign of that as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is a good time to be David Herber. And he's probably really excited. And uh, I just really love to see uh, those episodes that are hosted by people who are kind of like the breakout stars. Right. And, and they're kind of new to that era of their fame. It's always interesting to see how they handle it. Mm. could be entertaining. Yeah. I have a similar feeling about David Harbour, just from what I've seen from like, you know, junket interviews and things like that. Um, he seems like he's kind of a fun guy. Like he's got a good sense of humor. He knows how to roll with it. He's got a, he's just got a good way of carrying himself that I think could lend itself to SNL. So I don't want to have like super high expectations because he's untested. We don't really know what we're going to get from him, but I feel like there could be something there. There could be a Liev Schreiber mm -hmm. in this kind of a uh, booking. So I am kind of excited about that. So yeah, I think our first run of uh, season 45 could have a few surprises. Um, I am really jazzed about uh, the booking so far, but we got a couple more here. Uh, Kristen Stewart is coming back on November 2nd to take another run at her monologue. What do you think, Steve? Do we want to see Kristen Stewart back? As long as she's on a seven second delay. <laughs> sure. Yes. But in all seriousness, uh, that could happen to anybody. I'm sure there's no hard feelings there. Right. Um, anybody who hasn't caught on, I'm referring to Kristen's kind of F-bomb slip right. last time she hosted. She uh, she otherwise was great on the show, and uh, it's going to be fun to have you know some of the more liberal, outspoken personalities to be on the show, because you know, there's definitely going to be a lot to say in especially these months leading up to the elections. It's only going to be more interesting to see. Uh, See how that's applied. Okay. What do you got, Andy? Well, I, I thought her last episode was was quite good. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just hoping we can repeat that. And she drops two F-bombs. <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> yeah, you got to up the ante. Uh, that was the episode with Totino's, which I think is <laughs> one of the greatest pre-tapes SNL's ever produced. Um, and Melissa McCarthy and Sean Spicer for the yeah. first time, even though that didn't have to deal with Kristen, but you know, part of that episode. But she was very competent in some of her other roles. They did, I believe, a celebrity family feud, and I can't remember who she was playing, but it was an incredible impression that she did. Well, that was, I think that was the surprise episode of season 42, where I think a lot of people walked into it going, eh, I don't know, Kristen Stewart. Eh. And mm. then you watch the episode and, well, okay, she's yeah. fantastic and the show delivered. So who knew? Yeah. The only potential downside here is a lot of times when people come back after having a really great outing, expectations are high. Sometimes they try to revisit some of the sketches that were part of the exceptional episode and mm. in the emulation, you don't always get the same returns. Um, I think we saw that a little bit with John Mulaney last time he hosted. So, or even Emma stone. Yeah. Emma stone. I enjoyed Kristen Stewart's last outing. I am excited to see it again. I just want to keep that excitement a little bit tempered because I don't want to go into it feeling like I need to see another Totino's or something like that for the show to be a success or else I'm going to feel deflated. So with Kristen Stewart, uh, glad she's coming back. I'm just, going to try and leave it there and let the show be whatever it wants to be. But December 21st, the Christmas show, they have already mm -hmm. announced that the prodigal son, Eddie Murphy will be returning for the first time to the SNL stage since 1984, save mm -hmm. for a very brief appearance at the 40th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Andy, why don't you kick us off? Well, I can't wait for Kristen Wiig to inexplicably cameo in this episode <laughs> countless times. Yeah. Much like the Adam Sand. No, I'm 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 joking. Uh I'm I'm hyped. I mean, nobody expected the Adam Sandler episode, but nobody expected the Eddie Murphy episode. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know where to place my expectations. I it's it's like the Sandler episode where you just uh, you throw your hands up and just go, I hope they kill it. I cuz I I can't envision it right now, but you know, I'm psyched mm -hmm. and I want to temper those expectations because it's still <laughs> like three, four months out. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's where we stand. We'll see what happens. Fair enough. It is going to be interesting. Uh, it raises a lot of questions because yeah, we're, we're seeing another alumni host, uh, one of the most coveted, most uh, revered alumni you know, from the show mm -hmm. coming back for the first time. And it's kind of like an unprecedented thing. Right. Uh, you know, he's been so mad at the show. David Spade's mm -hmm. comments kind of set him off. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm kind of interested in seeing, you know, what he's willing to do on the show. Uh, if you've seen him on comedians and cars, you know, he does talk about how much confidence he's lost as a performer getting out of the standup game. And, uh, you know, while he does hope to get back into that kind of thing, he, he does admit to having, you know, a sort of rustiness mm -hmm. to deal with. And thinking about Norm McDonald's comments about, you know, what he was willing to do for the anniversary special. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's hard to say what he's willing to bring back and what he's willing to revisit. Yeah. Um, you know, are we going to see Gumby, James Brown? It's hard to gauge what he's willing to do and, and what we're going to see if, you know, fan service versus, you know, what he's hoping to say on the show, something yeah. new. We will get a Mr. Robinson's neighborhood that I feel is a lock. We can all take bets. Well, I, I'll, I'll take that bet. I, I think it's a pretty, pretty good chance considering that we just had a, a Mr. Rogers documentary that mm -hmm. was really well received. And then you've got Tom Hanks leading mm -hmm. a Mr. Rogers vehicle coming out soon. Um, if not already, you put Tom Hanks in the Mr. Robinson's it's it, it, come on. It writes itself. It's happening. <laughs> oh boy. It's already happened. I was going to say, do it like documentary style, but Mr. Robinson instead of like in the same way that they did that oh, documentary, have Mr. Robinson bad. in that mode, you know, cause with what they can do with pre-tapes, they could totally ape that style and you could get, some behind the scenes stuff. You could get some pathos. You could, you could really take the Mr. Robinson character and go some fantastic directions. If they put that in a pre-tape, that's not a bad idea because especially, I mean, you got Mr. Robinson's and then another one of Eddie's most famous things is the white, like me pre-tape. Yeah. So there you go. And, and one and one make two brilliant. <laughs> it's a perfect storm. You're hired. Uh, if you're listening to SNL writers, uh, make that happen. We would really, really love to see that come together. And I, I think there's something there. I think there really is something funny there. If uh, a capable writer could take that and run with it. 
Um, I have high hopes for this Eddie Murphy episode, but kind of like what Steve alluded to, a lot of what has kept Eddie Murphy down over the years. And the reason why every decade or so he has to stage a comeback is he, he tends to want to really take the reins of his vehicles and assert a lot of creative control and sometimes doesn't pick great projects. And maybe sometimes you can mess up the stew if you play with it too much. And my big worry for the Eddie Murphy Christmas episode is if he comes in with a lot of demands as far as like you guys were saying, what he will do, what he won't do, you know, what they can goof on and what they can't. If he feels like he needs to assert that over the show, the show is totally going to go along with it because getting Eddie Murphy was a big get. Mm. But if he comes to play, this could be a fantastic episode of SNL, a, a tops for the season, maybe, you know, of an era. Yeah. But if he comes feeling like he has to really tightly stage manage this and he's got really specific objectives of how he wants to be presented, like if there's just a whole lot of that looming over the episode, I feel it could go south. So I'm hopeful. I, I, I don't think there will be. I think he's yeah. trying to get away from that. Like this feels like a specific. Yeah. Uh, attempt by Eddie to come out and be more personable this time around than have the abstraction exactly. of Eddie Murphy, the superstar that demands all this stuff mm-hmm. and has, you know, body doubles and stuff <laughs> and all of that. I think he's, yeah, trying to, I think this comeback is, is more of a, uh, is, is different this time around. I will say it seems that way. And that's why I'm hopeful because uh, what Steve was mentioning on comedians and cars getting coffee, you do get a sense of humility from Eddie Murphy and just a, like a, a pleasantness, not mm-hmm. overthinking his career, not taking himself too seriously. You get a mellowness from him that I've never seen, you know, from Eddie Murphy. Yeah. So has he ripened with age? Like is it, could this really be a vintage of Eddie Murphy that could really deliver on SNL? I really hope it is. I, and I just, I hope he comes to play. I really hope he comes to play. That's all I have to say about Eddie Murphy. Uh, one last thing before we wrap this up. Since we're taking bets, yeah, <laughs> you know, me, big vintage SNL connoisseur, as you say, do we see Joe Piscopo? I hope so. I mean, they were such a duo. Wow. And, and Piscopo, he was, he was such a good friend. You know, like you, you always got the sense that he just, he loved being with Eddie and like mm. just he he reveled in every minute that that they they got to spend on screen and I feel like if nothing else I don't know if Eddie wants to share the spotlight on his monologue but it, it would be cool you know if if Pisco oh, just... it's a 10 to 1 it's a 10 to 1 Pudge and Solomon that yeah. is, that is what I'm hoping <laughs> sure well the 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 age the age would work the age would absolutely exactly. work exactly um yeah I I don't think we're going to get uh Ebony and Ivory but uh you know <laughs> It, it it could be very charming for the uh, long-term SNL fans to, to see Piscopo show up. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen, but I think I'd be grinning if it did. Mm. I don't think I would take those odds as much as I, I'd bet on uh, Mr. <laughs> Robinson. But yeah, I, I think it'd be charming and sweet. I mean, the payout is going to be amazing. Mm. It would be. So yeah, whatever records Adam Sandler set when he hosted last year, as far as like the longest time away from the show or, you know, healing old wounds or whatever it is. Um, yeah, they're, they're really, uh, upping the ante this year. It seems like, uh, SNL is trying to like settle all family business and bring people back in the fold and just get its legacy squared away. And and I'm really happy to see this happening. I I really am. I'm wondering if that is a product of Lorne, Mm-hmm. I mean, having to re starting to reach the end of his legacy at the show that we are getting these, uh, you know, we, we are tying up these loose ends yeah. that, that have always been around. Whatever the motivation, it generated a great episode last year with Sandler. And, uh, I really hope they, they do it again for the Christmas episode. Um, moving right along listener, Anita parks is very distraught about <laughs> a post Leslie Jones SNL. Mm. Obviously 
Leslie Jones resonated with a lot of SNL's audience and uh, she left the show on good terms. There's no drama. There's no story here other than she wanted to launch, you know, she's, she's got prospects and uh, it was a good time for her to, to jump ship. And so that everybody parted amicably. How do we feel about this? What is Leslie Jones's legacy and what are we going to be missing in season 45 without her there? Leslie Jones's legacy. You know, she's always been on weekend update putting her spin on things, her fresh perspective, you know, is what made us fall in love with her. And we watched her grow as a performer on this show. Mm-hmm. And along with her skill set, we watched her fame grow uh, into this household name, someone that can basically uh, carry the marketing of a, of a movie or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So Leslie leaving, it makes more sense than a lot of other performers you know, leaving the show, it's, it's kind of like the opposite of someone like, uh, I don't know, Will Forte. Will Forte is a guy that's built for that show. Right. And Mm. it's kind of hard to imagine his career doing something that better utilizes his talents. Uh, the thing about Leslie is like, you see her do so well on the show, but you also kind of see how she's restrained. And Mm. if you took away the, the structure and the, and the restraints of this show, and let Leslie be Leslie, a Leslie that is now a household name, then mm-hmm. you probably got dynamite waiting okay. to happen. All right. So you, you think Leslie's on the verge of a moment and it's a, it's a good time to jump. It's a good time to jump. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it makes me wonder what kind of agreements have been made behind the scenes. You know, maybe they're so willing to part ways, you know, the show and Leslie, because Lauren has agreed to produce a bunch of stuff alongside Leslie. Maybe that relationship continues in other forms. Sure. And if that's the case, great. Win, win, win. I, I, I feel good about this. I think this is nice. I think Leslie can say, I took that show for all it's worth. And I went when I had done my best work and felt like I was ready to take on new challenges. And, and I just think that's a narrative that is nice to be able to, to lay down for your time at SNL and, and not every player gets that. So uh, I wish Leslie well. I'm glad that she's launching and, and I think uh, you're right that this could be her moment and maybe she'll get a great vehicle that'll really put her out there and establish her as a comedic force. Kind of like what we saw with Melissa McCarthy. Um, if something like that happens, great. I, I really hope it does for her. Absolutely. It's almost like five years is the perfect time to be <laughs> on the show. They, they used to know that there was a time when they used yeah. to know that. Um, but we're not, we're not going to retread that we on our, if anyone would like to know about uh, our feelings <laughs> on cast turnover, they can refer to our postseason finale. Uh, I think we covered it quite extensively. Why don't we uh, keep moving forward here on September 12th, 2019 SNL added three new featured players, staff writer, Bowen Yang, Chloe Feynman of the Groundlings and stand-up comedian Shane Gillis, who was subsequently fired after clips of his podcast surfaced on Twitter where he used racially derogatory language. Okay, so obviously there's one aspect to this that's going to overshadow everything else, but rather than let that happen, why don't we talk about Bowen Yang? Do we have any thoughts on his promotion from staff writer to featured player? Overjoyed. I was one of the people that uh when I saw his appearance in the Sandra O oh episode as Kim Jong-un, I believe, I was like, oh, there you go, SNL. There's your first uh, Chinese-American uh, cast member. He's right there. He, he did great. And uh, when I saw this, I was like, that's wonderful. Everybody seems to love Bowen at the show. And he knows how to supply for the show, write for it. And uh, it's just going to be a perfect marriage, I think. Good. Uh, I, I hope you're correct. What about you, Steve? What do you think? We talking about Bo and Yang specifically? Yeah. He's a great guy. (laughs) (laughs) We like this guy. That's a hot take. He's uh, he's an excellent writer, comedian, uh, eyeglass designer. He does it all. (laughs) Sure. And, uh, you know, we've kind of seen like his mini edition for performing on the show, really doing a lot with very little screen time and, you know, kind of taking a bit role as, Kim Jong-un and really elevating it to something that not many could do with that short amount of time and that few lines. So mm-hmm. it's great to see uh, him given the chance to flourish because he certainly does have the potential to do so. So it's, it's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, he's proven. We got the actress last season. He was uh, working with Julio Torres on that 
which mm-hmm. was one of the best pre-tapes we got of the season. Yeah. And also checks. Checks, yeah. So we we know that he has a voice and we know that his voice gels really well with a lot of the other writers over there. So he's not going to have any trouble collaborating and synergizing his voice with some of the established writers over there. So we know that he's going to, you know, fit in fine. There's no there's no proving to be done at this point, which always bodes well. And it's nice that, you know, there's a face that can do justice to some material and some roles that SNL maybe couldn't have approached previously. So it opens some doors that way too. Finally. I hope that he's an asset to the cast. I hope he rounds out the ensemble and I hope that it allows the show to make great comedy. Yeah. How about Chloe Fineman? Seems to focus on impressions, uh, at least from what I've seen. Yes. So I'm hoping that they can utilize that to some degree. I mean, I think a lot of people feel that, you know, Melissa Villasenor was hired for the same reason, at least from what we could see mm-hmm. uh, before she got hired on the show. And then the impressions were not used uh, to the degree you might have thought. Right. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they, they also just kind of don't do that and chloe has to uh, sort of find her way into the show uh her own unique voice so we'll see but uh yeah seems charming uh funny and uh a good hire very good yeah uh you got anything to add steve well if you haven't already just you know get lost in her instagram mm-hmm. you can just go down the rabbit hole of chloe is crazy uh which is her instagram screen name I'm not calling anyone names <laughs> But yeah, she does some amazing impressions. She picks out subtleties you'd never even think of, which always makes for a great impressionist. Mm. And, you know, she seems to have that spark that's that's going to do well on the show. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, obviously, you know, when they were announced, I checked out her stuff. And you're right. She she has some serious ability. And she's just likable, right? Like, there's there's really nothing about how she presents herself, at least, you know, through social media that, um, gave me pause or made me think, Oh, you know what? Maybe she doesn't have the, you know, the star power, the, you know, the quality that's really going to make for a great SNL player. Um, she seems like she's going to do fine. And, uh, she seems versatile. She, like you guys mentioned a lot of impressions that are well-realized. These aren't half-baked or superficial or the wig isn't doing 90% of the work. She, she has some skills as a sketch performer and uh, I'm excited to to see her get in the fray there and uh, hopefully make a name for herself at the show. As always, the show has a lot of people at the top of their contracts and eventually <laughs> some of them might end up leaving. And if that's the case, I'm sure there's a spot for, uh, I hope the best. I, I think that she's a good hire and, and I can't wait to see what she brings. Now, stand-up comedian Shane Gillis was announced for the show. And then I think it was what, three or four days later, um, the show came out with an announcement uh, following a, uh, let's be generous and say a, a tepid and slightly snarky apology <laughs> on Gillis's part uh, that they were parting ways with him, that he would not be joining the cast for the premiere. Obviously, this is the big news that has got everybody worked up. And um, I don't think we could call ourselves an SNL podcast if we didn't at least touch on it. So Andy... Lay it out here. What happened? And oh. is is this the the end of Western civilization? Uh, oh boy! <laughs> and I'm just gonna take a little swiggy swig of my wine and uh, sit back and enjoy the fireworks. That's a, that's a lot. That's a lot to put on my plate. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it feels like we're the last three people uh, on <laughs> sure. Earth to get our thoughts in on Mr. Shane Gillis, and if. We're going to be giving the final word, then I want mine to be that guy. I'm glad he's not on SNL. All right. Strong words. What about you, Steve? So here's the thing about, you know, Shane Gillis, because maybe some people need the difference explained to them, because I don't think what people against Shane Gillis are trying to say is that, you know, our comedy should be completely devoid of racism it should never challenge any any notion of that okay and i don't i I think that's entirely missing the point um the stuff that has come to light about shane gillis you watch it it's it's not the same as as seeing dave Chappelle, you know do a bit with a with a chinese accent there's really no point trying to be made it's laughs based on the shock of 
this racism being spouted. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to say something racist and be like, ho, ho, oh, I didn't mean that. Or, oh, we don't actually think that way. We're trying to make a point, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you watch these clips that came to light. They're making these quote unquote jokes that are obviously very derogatory. And when they're done, they let their guard down and just, you know, they're like, ah, oh, that's some nice racism. I love, mm. I love to, I love to be racist. And it's really off putting to see that follow that discussion because it, it does feel yeah. like they, they kind of, they kind of mean what they're saying. And that's what makes me uncomfortable. And really, you know, when it started, when it really kicked off, I was like, oh boy, here we go. Usual suspects stirring the pot. Here right. we go again. But it didn't take long before it's like, oh no, this is not, this is 100% not an element that SNL needs. Uh, especially like after last season and the whole controversy following Pete every other episode really put a damper on the beginning of the season. I, like, I don't need that type of controversy following SNL at all because it just brings down the mood and i can't imagine if they had kept this guy on and brought him into the offices and then people had to be in pitch meetings with him and be on stage with him i just the whole the show as it is now it would totally not jive with this guy mm -hmm. and you know they brought him on as a conservative voice which well, we don't know that let's like no that's that's what they said no no that's not what they said in the wake of all this there's a lot of unsubstantiated stuff that went out and one of the things that was an unnamed person maybe close to the show you know there no was that, suggesting that's what, that was in the release it's been reported i've i've seen no those it's in the they well. can say it's in the release when they said we're sorry that we hired this guy and we fired him now is they basically said we were looking for a, a not a con I don't think they said conservative, but we were looking for a different type of voice for the show. Yeah, it, no, there, there's a statement that says you know we, you know we look for all sorts of voices or whatever, but there was someone else that came out and said that they, being close to the show, were insinuating that they had hired him to court conservative viewers. That yeah. isn't anything that has been specifically stated by anyone publicly at the show or in any release or is anything that can even be corroborated by more than one person. So I came across that too. And I had to look at that kind of funny and say, Hmm, okay, what's the source? Is there anything that corroborates? Is this from any kind of official release? I don't believe that that's anything that the show is going to acknowledge. And I don't know that it's actually the case. He was brought on because he did a great audition and the show didn't really do much diligence as far as vetting him or finding out if there was anything that was going to make his hire problematic. Um, whatever, you know, Lorne and Higgins and Michael Chase thinking on why he might be great for the ensemble. That's not anything that, that we can really speculate on, but we don't have to, because this is the, the issue doesn't hang on that or what SNL's thinking is it really just hangs on whether the show was right to do what it did and who bears the, the blame for all this. And uh, I think if I'm hearing you guys, what you're saying quite clearly is he dug his own grave. Oh yeah. The show was absolutely correct in getting rid of him. And I would tend to agree. I am always weary when an issue such as this flares up on social media and it seems like it's going to take on a life of its own and any, you know, nuance or opportunity for cooler heads to prevail might, you know, uh, might get lost in the fervor. Um, I'm always uneasy about how easy <laughs> it is for, for these things to become witch hunts. And often it's hung on something that's kind of tenuous and maybe not something that needs to be such a big deal. Um, obviously in this case, you know, he said what he said, if he was trying to make a run at SNL, he should have been a lot savvier, you know, about, uh, the, the persona that he was building. And obviously, you know, when something like this comes to light for better or worse, it does make your participation in the show completely untenable. There's no way, like you guys mentioned that he could walk in to the 17th floor and have any allies. There's mm. no way that he could get on air and have any allies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've never seen a cast member. So dead on arrival. Yeah. So I understand that, you know, the show had no options at that point. You know, he dug his own grave. <laughs> uh, maybe he had an opportunity to get ahead of it with his apology, but <laughs> for whatever reason, he has terrible 
representation and management and they let him post that to social media. And, uh, yeah, he just, uh, he, he heaped more coals on himself and he made it a situation that was irreversible at that point. Yeah. And, uh, I respect the show's decision. You know, I, I totally get where they're coming from. Uh, my only real thoughts on it is dude needs to fire his representation. If they didn't see this coming a mile away, like knowing the type of comedy that he was putting out and the nature of his podcast, if they hadn't started scrubbing that weeks ago and totally lined up all the pieces to get ahead of this issue, then what are you paying those guys for? So I don't know, fire your representation and try and figure out what your next move is. Cause yeah. it's not going to be at SNL. He's already doubling down oh, on yeah. his behavior. Yeah. In light of the firing, um, you know, he's returned to stand up already mm-hmm. and doesn't seem to have learned the lesson we would hope that he had learned well you got to make jokes i'm not gonna fault the guy for going out and trying to get back up on his feet the type of comedy that he does and the type of comedy that he's obviously going to continue pursuing isn't going to get him anywhere with (laughs) snl and that that i i don't know you know where else you go with the conversation after that i mean there's a lot of comedians making jokes to cater to sort of the younger immature bro uh, demographic. If that's where, you know, he wants to plant his flag. So be it. It's just, it's not going to be with SNL. Yeah. This was a ugly situation. And unfortunately the guy really doesn't have anything to, to point to other than himself and the comedy that he chose to embrace as really the, the root cause of it all. Yeah. Which is a shame. I, I feel for anyone who gets SNL and then doesn't even get to set foot on the stage, you know, and have it yanked away. Like, whether you love the guy or hate the guy, I wouldn't want to see anyone have to go through that because that that's a, a seriously crappy circumstance. I have no sympathy for this man. This this is nonsense. He's still a human being. Oh my god. He got fired. He was dead on arrival. Great. You know, all of the justice that needed to happen. But I don't here, feel bad for him about that. He he dug his own grave. The end. You don't have to feel bad for him. I'm saying that I can't help but hit a person in the gut. And I'm going to try and maintain a little bit of humanity here and remember that for however salty his talk is, that doesn't mean that he's not a human being, you know, that doesn't, mm-hmm. uh, you know, have emotions. Uh, this was a, a big blow and he has no one to blame but himself, but I, I can still recognize that that's got to hurt. That's got to smart. So if he's going to go out and make some jokes about it and try and, you know, have a stiff upper lip, that's not where I'm going to find fault. Oh, he didn't seem to care. He was always a mad TV guy to begin with. Okay. <laughs> All right. Mm, All right. Well, (laughs) that's uh, what he said. That's out of the man's mouth. Yeah. No, I I think um, you're coming through loud and clear on this one, Andy. (laughs) Good riddance, Shane Gillis. Yeah. Bye-bye. Let's just uh, leave it at that. Oh, what fun. SNL. I love love talking (laughs) about SNL. It's so fun. Steve, John, I love it. It's so fun. Let's get into a little bit of listener feedback. (laughs) Listener live from New York 95 asks, why did SNL break with routine and announce five hosts, including the Christmas hosts a month before the premiere? Uh, Do you have any sprawling conspiracy theory that you want to lay out for us on this, Andy? Well, this has happened before, I believe. I think they announced Jimmy Fallon hosting the Christmas episode for season 39 pretty early in the season, if not before the season started. Hmm. But obviously, I, I think it's it's a little bit of a two-hander. First, it's locking Eddie. <laughs> yes. Can't back out now. It's in the papers. <laughs> yeah. So that's one. And sure. two, I think it's to get people like me, who were a bit, you know, not too hot on the last season, to to really get the excitement flowing again. So it's I think it's a two-hander. Keep Eddie locked in and also keep me locked in. Okay. Fair enough. You got any thoughts, Steve? This is not the first time that this has happened, but yeah, it's an interesting point to make. Maybe this has been made just to lock in things with Eddie Murphy, just to have it in writing, but I don't think announcing it really solidifies anything in stone. If, if anything, it gives them uh, you know, more of a possible chance to have to redact some of this information because mm. it's great to know five hosts in advance who's hosting, but you know, that's a long it's a long time and a lot can happen. Okay. Um, I think that 
it probably had a lot to do with them wanting to go big on Eddie. They, they know that this is going to be a tent pole episode. They know they're pulling out all the stops for him and they know that, uh, he can get a little squirrely, <laughs> uh, you know, when you try to tack him down. So, uh, mm. I'm sure this isn't the first time that they reached out and I think it's the first time that the stars aligned and I don't think they're going to let anything get in the way of that. So yeah, put it out there. I, I get why, you know, that's a, a smart move you know to to hopefully keep that train rolling as far as the other hosts i think you just got to do that because if they announced a christmas show and didn't announce what was in between people would just be kind of scratching their head yeah you know going okay well that's that's interesting but what's happening next week um as far as them maybe having to switch things up if a musical guest drops out or you know anything changes between now and then it's simple they have a title card that comes up you know in the first half of the show that announces who's coming on the next week they can always pivot when they need to they've done it in the past we've we've seen those kind of things change within a week or two maybe after you know it hit the press so uh i don't i don't think that there's you know anything that is insurmountable for the show as far as you know maintaining their bookings or pivoting if they need be uh i'm glad that they announced eddie i think it does give us something to talk about and it is exciting for the old timers that remember that era an era that because lauren wasn't involved gets absolutely no love Mm. so this is kind of neat and uh, i really hope it comes to pass because otherwise i didn't get cancellation insurance on those plane tickets Let's just hope this is not the world's most public vision board. Yes. Yeah. That. That they're just putting it out in the universe in, in high hopes. It'll happen. Nobody has talked to Eddie yet. Yeah. At the show. <laughs> he's like watching TV. He's like, what? <laughs> I'm hosted. Well, isn't that how uh, I think Wayne Gretzky found out was uh, his wife had committed a hosting gig for him and he read it in the newspaper. <laughs> I think is how the story goes. Yeah, let, let's hope oh. that they're a little bit more on top of this whole situation <laughs> than that. Uh, moving right along, listener Pretty in Pink asks, what do you guys think the future of edgier comedians and jokes on SNL is? After the Gillis drama, is that in jeopardy because NBC will be on edge to not want to anger anyone else? So is there going to be a chilling effect? What do you think, Steve? I don't think so. I think what is the most likely response is some kind of promise to just make more of an effort to vet their uh, potential new cast members. Sure. They're no strangers to edge. In fact, they, they welcome it. You know, we, we do at least once a season, get a monologue that really pushes the boundaries and makes headlines for that reason. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, it's always been with comedians who have the sensibility to know how to walk that edge without, you know, without stepping into that territory, that's truly hurtful and offensive. Sure. They're going to be more careful to not miss the mark if they're going to venture into that territory. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You got thoughts, Andy? Uh, well, I mean, like I said, it's, it's just all about intent and I like when SNL goes for it. That's, that's always the most fun. So you just got to watch what, what you're saying and how you're saying it's really just how you're saying it. And I don't want them to soften up or any of that. In fact, I, I still love watching Michael Che piss off the audience it's always fun. So just, yeah, I mean, go for it. Still go for it. Just don't be dummies about it. Okay. I don't know if it's going to have much of a chilling effect at the show because the writing room is pretty established at this point and the show is fairly sure footed about what they'll embrace and what they won't like there. The show has a point of view it's, and it's been a point of view that's been solidifying over the last few years. And, um, I, I think the show internally knows where they like the line to be. And I think they're going to stick with that. What I think Mm. might change out of all this is I think there's probably a lot of aspiring comedians that are going to be looking very seriously at their social media and their podcasts (laughs) and their YouTube videos. And they're going to be saying, huh, my goal is to be on SNL in five years. How soon should I start scrubbing all this, you know, juvenile crap that I want to be able to disavow that hopefully will fall off the internet before it costs me my dream job. I, I hope a lot of them, you know, take a, a note from this and get savvy. And if you're ever in a situation where you do cross a line and you raise the ire of whatever the masses, be smart, get ahead of it and apologize and be the comedian that is going to get you where you want to go. Don't double down on feeling like you need to maintain some dumb cred for your juvenile crass audience. So I hope that there's a lot of savvy up and coming comedians and performers that can put that kind of comedy off their radar sooner and grow into the kind of performers that SNL can embrace and will gel with uh, the production when they, when they get there. 
So that's where I think the, the chilling effect will be. And, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad one. I, that's if anyone's going to take notice, it should be them. Mm. <laughs> you don't agree, Andy? No, that was a mm of agreement. Okay. All right. You, you have so many mm's, it's hard to distinguish sometimes. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> all right. Let's keep moving here. Okay. Nick Storr asks, is there anyone who has left since the last real exodus of Hader and company who could come back and host the show and who of the present lot could return and host? Um, okay, Andy, you take this one. I'd, I'd love to see any cast member come back and host. Those are always fun. Um, from the hater era, I mean, honestly, I'd love to see Sudeikis host. Sure. And um, that might happen this season, uh, depending on what we're doing with Biden. Mm-hmm. My, you know, dream pie in the sky episode. <laughs> I'd love to see Bobby Moynihan host. Oh, I my just goodness. love that. A whole episode of Bobby. I love that. <laughs> So actually let's, uh, let's digress just slightly. Okay. Bobby Moynihan, my guy, he was my guy on the show. I, I projected myself on Bobby Moynihan. (laughs) He left the show after nine seasons. He parlayed it into a leading role in a sitcom. Thought that was going to like get him to the next level. It didn't work out. He's been doing voice work. He's been, you know, enjoying his life as, as a nerd out in LA, but (laughs) since his sitcom, uh, got canceled. I, I really felt bad because I, I didn't know if another opportunity was going to come along. And Tina Fey and Robert Carlock's production company, they have a new show and they're putting him in a, uh, I'm not going to say it's the lead role, but it's it, of an ensemble cast. It's one yeah. of the, you know, main people. I believe mm-hmm. he is like the, the chief of staff of the mayor of a city or something along those lines. He's like someone in, in this mayor's administration and Hey, it's got Tina Fey behind it. Bobby Moynihan's in the fold. It's network. It's not going to Netflix. I believe it's an NBC show. And I really hope that this is the one that launches Bobby. And if it does, Hey, why not? Give me that Bobby. Give me that Bobby. If Bobby gets his moment, by all means, please bring him back. Cause the show has written itself, you know, like who wouldn't want to see another drunk uncle who wouldn't, you know, want to see another riblet. I, I, we don't need to contain him just a weekend update, but you know, I, just no Bobby, you give Bobby anything. He puts it over. Bobby's amazing. Yeah. Just an hour and a half of weekend update. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Bobby character after Bobby character. You can hang a show on Bobby Moynihan and that's going to be a show I'd be tuning in for. Mm-hmm. I love that. That was going to be my answer. Thank you for stealing it. Oh, I really hope that, this next sitcom is the one that really breaks out for Bobby. Yeah, me too. Steve, you got anything to add to this before we move on? Well, the only one that really makes sense is the one that you named Bill Hader being in it and in Barry. Mm, Right, right, right. Yeah. He's the one guy of that era with vehicles coming out that actually merit a hosting job. I could totally get on board with a, another check-in from Bill Hader this season. Um, but yeah, Bobby, Bobby was my answer. So unless we got anything else brilliant to say, let's keep rolling here. <laughs> All right, let's go. Yep. Do we have any host predictions or musical guest predictions? Listener Carissa would like to know. Well, ew. for musical guests, it wouldn't be that surprising to see Sturgill show up. Mm, yep. Our man Sturgill Simpson has something interesting coming out on Netflix. Oh. It looks to be some kind of visual album. Oh. Bit of a kind of like a. I don't know. It, it looked like some kind of like hell raising biker gang kind of kind of thing. Is it all psychedelic? Yeah, I don't know. Oh man, Sturgill rules. Looks like it, it looks like it was some kind of Rob Zombie directed thing. <laughs> nice. I'm on board. But I only just heard about it, so I, I would I would love to see Sturgill Simpson back, and it looks like he's got a great project to to promote. So it, it kind of makes sense. Okay. Every time he's been on. I've connected with it and thought it was a lot of fun. So yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him back. What about hosts? We got anyone that we think might uh, be ready to break out? As usual, I'm going to break format here. Uh, I would like, I mean, this is just pie in the sky nonsense, <laughs> but we only got a couple more years of these guys. It'd be fun to see one of the Pythons host one more time. Mm. We've never seen John Cleese host. If anyone, it'd be Eric Idle. That would be coming. But yes, if anything, it'd be Eric. And uh, Eric is, you know, he's just, I don't know what that man is made out of, but he's still got it. Like, he's still (laughs) there and ready to go, it seems. So uh, I would love that. Just one last time. You know, that's kind of, uh, 
Python was a huge inspiration for the original cast, the original era. They did a lot of good shows with the mm-hmm. Pythons, and it would be fun to see the show kind of do one last uh, one last thing with them. Okay, that'll never happen, but hey, I would be on board for it if it did. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, pie in the sky, baby. Yeah, very good. I have so nothing to offer this conversation. <laughs> uh, I'm out of the loop. I watch about 18 hours of The Wiggles every day. Seven days a week. <laughs> and you don't even have a child. <laughs> uh, I could see a double building with Lucky and Emma Wiggle. Um, if they came on, <laughs> as far as I know, they are the cultural zeitgeist. That's like the, the full field of view that I have as far as seeing the, the landscape of what's going on with culture. So if they bring on the Wiggles there, that's my, my bold prediction for season. That 45. would be damn fascinating. <laughs> Maybe a cameo from the sun baby from Teletubbies. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but why now? All right, (laughs) let's put this to bed. We have a question inspired by Twitter follower T. Jones. What are our hopes and dreams for season 45? Andy, let's start with you. Um, I'd really would love for this to be the transition season. I know I'm not, I'm not trying to be salty about it. (laughs) I'm really not. I would love this to be the final big hurrah for a lot of our tenured cast members and we see the cycling in of the sort of junior members that we've had that have shown that they can carry the show and we see that happen this season i felt it would have happened last season you got the best of both worlds uh your 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 long tenured players and your new up-and-comers and it didn't quite happen we're still basically at this point keeping the same cast with a few new additions and that's what I feel this season needs is some sort of, we are heading towards this. This is what's happening. We are turning over our cast and, uh, generally just hoping for a better season. You know, that, that, that's it. Just, you know. All right. I hear you. All right. What do you got, Steve? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't find myself asking for more of much. I'm very much in the same boat as Andy. Uh, I'm asking for new original. I'm asking for fresh. The transitional phases of SNL have always turned out great for me. I've never been led astray. Every new face, every new voice that comes along that show, I've always respected the decision to have them there. And uh, I look forward to falling in love with a new era. Mm, Very good. My only hope is that the writer's room really hums. There have been, I'm going to say, three eras of the show where you can visibly see on screen just how cohesive and furtive the writing room was. Like, you can just see that the energy and just the momentum that they get week over week, knowing that they're they're turning out good material and that, you know, they're, they're really onto something and they're just really cooking. When you see that, pour out on screen and you you realize you're getting really good SNL. It feels good. Mm. And every now and again, you get lightning in a bottle and just, you get the right amount of crazy flowing through the the writer's room that just turns out brilliant material. And if for whatever reason, we really get some great momentum and the writer's room really delivers this year, I'd be happy. Obviously, you know, we all want great SNL at the end of the day. That, that kind of is the whole point. You know, we want episodes that we can really walk away from saying, man, they really pulled together something fantastic this week. That was well worth staying up for. And I mm. want a few more of those for season 45 and uh, yeah, we'll see what we get. Um, but yeah, if anything, I would just like to see some, some really inspired stuff coming out of the writer's room. Yeah. Hope always springs eternal. Absolutely. Now, before we go, I got a quick program note. As our listeners are no doubt well aware throughout last season, I was promoting our Patreon page pretty hard in an effort to get our cast in the black and to ensure that we had enough funding to keep the cast going for season 45. Unfortunately, we didn't hit our funding goal, so I had to do a little bit of soul searching over the summer to figure out what the future of the cast was going to look like. And um, ideally, I'd love to keep the cast 100% free for all listeners, but unfortunately, the cost and time involved has just become untenable for me. So rather than shut down the cast completely, I have decided to retool to try and get our revenue in the black by the end of the year. So here's what's going to happen. Starting next week, we'll be releasing the full ad-free unabridged hour-long episode exclusively for our patrons. 
And then we'll be releasing a 15 minute hot take episode to our public podcast feed. (gasps) The 15 minute hot take episode will include a few selected highlights from the full cast, as well as our overall ratings and scorecard from the end of each episode. All full regular season and bonus episodes will be available to our $4 per month featured player patrons. And if anyone's worried that they're going to have to go over to Patreon to get the cast, they can't play it in their player. Patreon has a patron only feed that you can subscribe to just like any other podcast that'll preload into your podcast app of choice. And it'll let you sync up episodes and listen to it as you would the normal feed. So if you are a patron, you get access to that. So it'll be as seamless and work the same way as the podcast does. Now it'll just be the full show delivered to you as opposed to the 15 minute version that'll be on our public feed. And if we get enough support via Patreon by Christmas, then we'll keep the cast going indefinitely. But if come Christmas time, we still can't figure out a way to, to make the numbers work, then uh, Eddie Murphy is going to be our swan song. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, um, no. <laughs> and that will leave that week in SNL as the only decent <laughs> SNL podcast running. Oh. You heard me, SNL nerds. Oh. I said it. Um, but hopefully, oh my God. hopefully um, we can write the ship. We can get things humming and uh, plug on indefinitely. And if we ever get the revenue to be able to make the whole cast free again for everybody, I'll of course do that. But for the time being, got to write the ship. So that is what we're going to be doing. And I certainly hope that anyone who's enjoying the cast that would like to hear the full unabridged sketch by sketch discussion will come find us over on Patreon and kick us a few bucks for the trouble. And uh, yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. Ooh, we what's up with that? So Andy, <laughs> I'm not the only uh, SNL podcast producer who's doing a little bit of retooling. Do you want to talk a little bit about what's going on with your show? Yeah. So uh, speaking of Patreon, uh, we got our own little Patreon going on. I do a podcast called That Week in SNL. We explore vintage episodes uh, of the show. Me and my buddy Timmy, we, we crack jokes, we try and decipher the historical relevance, the pop culture ephemera surrounding that particular episode. Any episode, any era, we explore it all and play clips. And, you know, if you haven't seen the episode in in 20 years or so, we still try to provide enough context for the uh, conversation to make sense to you. And, uh, yeah, we just started up our own Patreon. We're, we're covering season six of SNL, uh, on a monthly basis right now, which is one of the more infamous, uh, seasons of the show. Ah. And, uh, it's fascinating. It's, it's really crazy. We actually, I mean, we've covered three episodes so far and, uh, one of them we actually really enjoyed. And also one of them is one of the worst episodes <laughs> of the show has ever done. So it's that kind of season. So we got that going on. Five bucks a month of Patreon. You get our episodes a week early at free monthly season six coverage, uh, our off week nonsense episodes. Uh, so it's all happening there. Very good. So five bucks a month for that week in SNL, but for only $4 a month, <laughs> you can get absolutely everything that SNL after party puts out for season 45. So anyways, we'll leave it up to the audience to, you know, gauge the relative value of, of both podcast offerings and, and see where they land. Um, but in all seriousness, you put out a fun show. I always enjoy it. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to wait a week because I ain't, I ain't giving you any money, but <laughs> <laughs> much like I to you, yes. you will not have my $4, sir. <laughs> Very good. So, um, I think it might be time for us to call it a night boys. I think so. Agreed. All right. That's a cast. Thanks to my guests, Steve Finn and Andrew Dick. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Carissa Eubank, Aaron and Trader, Neil Weinstein, and Justin Gardner. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in one week to cover SNL's season 45 premiere with host Woody Harrelson and musical guest Billie Eilish. Until then, this has been episode number 85 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night. Have a pleasant tomorrow.
Well, first of all, thank you to the Academy and thank you for all of, all of you who voted for us and this means a lot. Uh, the show that we submitted uh, was a show that Adam Sandler did and uh, he came back to host 24 years after he left. And in the middle of the show, uh, he did a tribute to Chris Farley. And the crew and the cast and everyone who was in that studio, most of whom had worked there when Chris Farley and Adam Sandler were young men. Uh, it's rare that you see a cameraman tear up or a boom crew crying, but it was a very, very chilling moment and very powerful. And it's those kind of moments, which is why we're going into our 45th season. And uh, and that sort of thing is what keeps us there, that and the politics.